We are uh, going to embark on a brand new series this morning. I'm excited about this. Uh, we're calling it Sticky Notes from God. Uh, how many of you have sticky notes in your office, your desk, your kitchen? I mean, they're just everywhere. All right? Awesome. Good. We're in great company. I have a couple. Anyways, oftentimes, you know, when you put a sticky note up for yourself or somebody else gives you a sticky note, oftentimes it's, it's a reminder of something, right? Oh, I, I don't want to forget this. I don't want to forget that. I, this is important. So it's not, a sticky note isn't always something that's brand new information. It's a reminder of something that you need to know or need to do. And, and so that's what this series is about. Each week we're going to highlight and remind ourselves of something that God has already promised us. Chances are you're already going to know this. It's not going to be a lot of brand new information. But one of the things that I have discovered, and even as I've been developing this whole series, and this week especially, it was like, man, I'm really getting excited because I think it is so relevant right now because... If you don't have a very, very strong conviction about a truth or a promise of God, it's very easy for our emotions to take over and we begin to question what we know is true, which is exactly what is happening to many, many people in our world today. And especially when, the, when things become difficult and things become challenging, and they start stretching us, and all of a sudden, everything around us doesn't feel good, and there's a lot of things that don't feel good right now, right? It can be, we can begin to second-guess and doubt all those things that we have known to be true from Scripture, and we're going, huh, I know that's what it says, but it doesn't feel like it's true at the moment, so that's what we're going to talk about this series. So this morning, the first question I have is this. If I were to ask you, where is God right now? What would you say? Well, you'd probably say something like, well, obviously God's just everywhere and he's here, right? And that's true. But the real issue and the real question is, how real and how aware are you of the presence of God in your life right now? Are you practicing God's presence today in your life? Because God's presence isn't just a feeling. Now, I do know that there are times in our lives we, there's moments, there's experiences we can have, hopefully even by our worship time this morning. You felt close to God. Why? You were focusing on him. You were talking to him and about him. You were singing. Hopefully that felt a connection with God. Sometimes nature does that. You go on a hike or you're on a mountaintop and, and you go, wow, man, nature, God, you're good. The creation is awesome. I feel so close. to That's true. And there are times that that happens. But God's presence isn't just a feeling. It is a fact. It is a truth. And no matter how you feel at the moment, it doesn't take away from the fact that God is with you right now. So here's the thing. If you, 
if you don't feel close to God, someone moved and it wasn't God. Because he doesn't, right? He is there with us all the time. So we call this his ever-biding presence. In other words, he's always there. God is never not with you. And uh, I know this is a truth you've heard from day one, and you, could, you know it up here. <laughs> but are you living every moment of every day as if God was literally with you, without a doubt? First verse in your notes, Deuteronomy. Verse, chapter 31, verse 8 says this. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, as I looked through, looked, did some research on this, this exact wording, this verse itself, you'll find it in over 25 times in the Bible where God says, I am with you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, do not worry, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. I mean, it's that important. It's one thing if it's just once. Over 25 times, God puts it in his word as a sticky note, as a reminder to you to remind us constantly that he is always with us. So write this in your notes. Got a couple blanks here. First of all is this. God is with me today. As in right now, this very moment. It means no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, even if it feels like God is nowhere in sight, he is with you. And then the next one is this. When God is with me, he is holding me. And I am secure in him. In other words... God's presence with me is not just as a bystander. He's not just beside me as I'm going through life just observing. And once in a while he'll say something and once in a while he'll do something and you just know, hey, you know, God, thanks for being there. God is actually, and I want you to get a picture of this, he is holding you in his hand. Every one of you this morning, God is holding you in his hand. Matter of fact, the next verse says this. Jesus says it this way. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Every one of us, we're in God's hand. Now, it's not that God has a lot of hands. It's just that his hand is really big. His hand is big enough to hold every one of us in his hand, protecting us and helping us. Matter of fact, in, in Isaiah it says that who can hold the universe, talking about God, who can hold the universe in the palm of his hand? Think about that. How big the universe is? Every one of us are right there. We are settled, nestled in the secure protection of the palm of God's hand. So God's not just with us. We are in every thought that he has. So the question then is this, once we know all this, what are the benefits? So it's like, so what? <laughs> what does it mean to me that I am in the palm of God's hand, that he's always with me? Well, it's sort of crazy to think about this, but did you know that God never has to go anywhere? 
because he's already there. And he's always present. And the word for that, the biblical or the theological word for this, it's, it's his omnipresence. It means God is present all the time, everywhere. And, and it's not just a theological statement. It's actually, it actually has powerful implications for us. Just to know, and we're going to talk about this, what it means for us, for you, to know that right now, this very moment, God is with you, and he's never going to leave, even if you want him to. He's not going to leave. Nothing can take him away. Nothing can take God's attention off of you and his presence with you. So there's four situations that we go through. Some of you are maybe in one of them or all four of them right now that you need to be reminded of his presence. So number one is this, write this in your notes. Is when I am lonely, God is my companion. I mean, he's, he's somebody that's literally with me. It's always, always good, right? When, to have somebody that's on your side that's with you constantly. A good friend does that. But you know, when it comes to loneliness, and some of you have been there, maybe some of you are there right now, it can be a very overwhelming and painful place to be. Yet it can be very misunderstood because the people, I mean, people around you don't understand. I mean, you can be in the middle of a crowd of people. You can be in a stadium of 60,000 people and feel very alone. You can be in the middle of a lot of activity going on all around you, yet you can feel alone. And people, people don't understand. They're going, what do you mean you're, you feel lonely? I mean, look at all these people. Look at all the things that are going on around you. How can you feel lonely in this? It's because being lonely, loneliness has nothing to do with out here. It's in here. It's, how, it's an emotional kind of a feeling. It's a state of mind. And it's hard. You can't see it. I mean, some of you this morning, you could be sitting here right now, and you could be literally dying on the inside from loneliness. And none of us would know it. You can put on a happy face. Everything's great. How are you? I'm great. But you're not. Here's what Psalm 139 says. Where could I go to escape from your spirit or from your sight? Talking about the Lord. If I were to climb up to the highest heavens, you would be there. If I were to dig down to the world of the dead, you would also be there. If, suppose I had wings like the dawning day and I flew across the ocean. Even then your powerful arm would guide and protect me. In other words, I can never get away from God. I can never be anywhere whether it's a physical place, a mental place, an emotional place, or a spiritual place, that God is not already there with me, ahead of me. He is there. You know, loneliness, I mean, it can happen to the best of us. All of us are susceptible to this. Even, even the most friendly, the bubbliest, the most outgoing person can literally be dying of loneliness on the inside. We're not immune from it. Sometimes loneliness lasts for a day, maybe a moment, 
maybe even a season. And it can come on like this. Sometimes it can leave like that, but sometimes it can linger. And you're like, what do I do? How do I, how do I get out of this feeling? Well, one of the things we need to know is that God does not want you to be alone or to be lonely. To be alone and lonely, matter of fact, is one of the first negative situations that there was in Genesis chapter 1. Remember the story about creation? Everything that God created, what did he say? It is, it was good. It was very good. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Look at that. But then God said, this isn't good. You know what he's referring to? Adam. He was by himself. He was all alone. In other words, God says, it is not good for man to be alone, and it still isn't. Even though we have many people now, it is not good for people to be alone. And God's word is filled with good news about our loneliness. But as we recognize God's presence in our lives, he brings joy even in the midst of our struggles and difficulties. Look what it says in Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forever. So you may feel really alone right now. But this morning, God would remind you, I am with you. I will never leave you. And I will bring you joy. The next difficult situation we might find ourselves in is number two, is when I'm worried, God is my confidence. Not just gives me, but he is my confidence. You know, if you look at the, if you're a worrier, there's a lot of things to be worried about right now, right? I mean, it's a crazy world out there. If you're not a worrier, there's still a lot of things you could be worried about. So the thing is, when I'm, when I'm feeling this worry, when I'm feeling this stress, there's, it's, it's like this overwhelming feeling that I have that's going on in my head. And, and it can be very oppressing and it can be defeating even feeling hopeless. But here's what God says. I love these, this next verse. Matter of fact, you might want to write this next pat scripture on a sticky note for yourself this week. It's a big sticky note, but here it is. Isaiah 43 says this. God says, when you go through deep waters, I will be there with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know, we sing the song. I love this song. There's another in the fire. And the whole song is about three guys in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, right? Daniel's buddies. And they refused to bow down to worship the king when the king said, you're going to worship me or you're going to get burned in the furnace. And they said, sorry, we're not going to worship you. So they, they get 
captured, they get thrown into this really, really hot, fiery furnace, literal furnace, and it was so hot that the guards who threw them in there got burned up just by being outside of the furnace. But as they're in there for a while, the king comes, and he looks in the window, and he notices there's not just three guys still standing there, there's a fourth. Scripture and scholars tell us that that extra person was actually Jesus Christ himself standing in the fire with the guys. They came out, and the Bible tells us that even their clothes didn't smell of smoke. They were that protected. That's what God says to you today. If you're going through the fire of oppression, you feel like everything is against you, you feel like you can't take it anymore, it is really, really hot. Or you're in the river, you feel like you're drowning, the water is almost over your head, it's here and you can barely breathe. You feel like you're choking from life's difficulties. God says, you're not going to get burned and you're not going to drown because I am with you. I'm going to help you and I'm going to take care of you. So when you're at your worst, when you're going through the worst possible situation in life and you're wondering, God, where are you? God says, right here, I got you. You hold on, you hang on to me because I'm going to rescue you, I'm going to help you. You're not going to get burned and you're not going to drown. That's what God's presence does in our lives. That's number two. Number three, when I am tempted, okay? When we're lonely, when we're worried, when I'm tempted, God is my counselor. You know, the Bible reminds us multiple times that temptations are common for everyone. In other words, None of us here are immune from temptation. I'd like to think I was, right? <laughs> oh, that doesn't tempt me. I'm, I'm above all that. <laughs> Don't ever say that. Okay? Every one of us this morning, you, you are potentially susceptible to every kind of temptation that has ever tempted any human being. The moment you look at someone else and you say, why are you struggling with that? Why is that such a temptation for you? Come on. <laughs> Beware. You're next. It's just how temptation works. In the book of James, it talks about that there's three categories of temptations. Now, whether, whether it comes from us, whether it comes from the world, or whether it comes from the devil. There's the lust of the eyes. Ooh, I like what I see. There's the lust of the flesh. Ooh, I want that. That feels good. Or the pride of life. It's like, I deserve that. <laughs> I'm that good that I need to have that. But the Bible also reminds us that when we are tempted, God always, a provi God always provides a path of escape for us so that we don't have to give in to that temptation. Even if it feels like the temptation you're experiencing it is so strong that it's almost like you don't have a choice but to do it. 
but you always have a choice. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. In other words, every one of us, when you're tempted by something, you can bet that somebody else is also, has been or will or is being tempted by the same thing. You know, one of the things that's very challenging sometimes, even I think for, for us, is that sometimes we feel ashamed at just the temptation we're struggling with. You ever feel that way? Why am I struggling with that? I shouldn't. Oh, I'm so, that we don't even, we're even struggling to go to God with that temptation. But we all face the same things. And then it says this, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you. Circle those two words, show you. They're in your notes. A way out so that you can endure. Now, here's the thing. He shows you the door in a good way. Okay? He shows you the door, the way of you getting out of that temptation. But he doesn't push you through the door. He doesn't pull you through the door. He shows you the door. He says, here, if you walk through this door, you will escape that temptation. Remember, God is our counselor. And it's just like when you go to a counselor and you just need to talk about something, you need help with something, you need to figure some things out in life. A counselor, a great counselor will listen to you, they'll ask great questions, and they'll show you some steps you can take to get to where you want to be. But the counselor's not going to do it for you. You come back next week, they're going, so how did you do? Well, you didn't, I, I, I was waiting for you to show up and to do this for me. Well, I can't do that. That's you and God. You always, always have a choice to make. You get to choose. Am I going to stay here? Am I going to struggle with this temptation? Because part of me sort of wants to, you know, it's a little bit the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. That sort of feels good. I know I shouldn't, but I'm on the verge of whatever. But you have to choose. Are you going to choose the path that God has given you to get out of that? Or are you going to keep playing around with it and hoping that something happens to deliver you? But God is pulling for you to succeed. And every temptation you're going through does not shock God. God knows. You know why God knows? Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ was also tempted in every way that every one of us are tempted. And my, my mind goes, really? Jesus, you were tempted with that? Yeah, he was. That's why it's not a sin and it's not shameful to be tempted by something, but it is if you continue down that path. Does that make sense? God is always there to help us deal with it. And the, close, the more close of, of fellowship you have with God, the more he guides you along the right path. He's always there for you. And then number four, last one. When I am discouraged... God is my comforter. 
when I'm lonely, when I'm worried, when I'm tempted, and when I am discouraged. You know, right now, recently, the past couple of years, and I refer to that a lot because this has been a very, very difficult time for all of us these past two years. It's been very discouraging for many people. The things that we've all faced, the things we've gone through, I don't think anyone was prepared for the things that we have and are still going through as people in our nation, in our world, whatever it is. It can be very discouraging. And one of the things that it has done is, for many of us, it has caused us to be discouraged and, and have all these challenging feelings and thoughts. But for some of us, it has revealed what's already been there. It sort of had, for some of us, the, the craziness has had permission to come out. And you go, where did that come from? Well, it was just sitting there waiting for the right opportunity, unfortunately. And we had plenty of opportunities for that this past two years. Matter of fact, the documented cases of depression and suicide, the documented cases in our country of depression and suicide have doubled, even tripled the last two years. And especially among children and young people, teenagers. It's like an epidemic. There's many, many young people and children that are struggling right now. And this doesn't even account for the undocumented cases. I mean, probably if I asked for a raise of hands, we would have nearly 100% of people that have been sad or discouraged in the past two years, right? I mean, it's been a very discouraging time. Nobody has been immune from this, even pastors. Barna, the Barna Research Group did a study survey and a study recently, and they determined, they discovered that four out of 10, 40% of pastors in our nation have seriously considered quitting because of all the things that we've gone through. I mean, really, how many of us were prepared for what happened? Zero. How many of leaders, how many pastors were taught this stuff in seminary or college? <laughs> Zero. We all have, have to navigate. And for all of us, we've had to do it for ourselves We've had to navigate this for our families. And then if you're in any position of leadership, you had to navigate this as a leader to get to where we are today, to try to figure it out, to lead people into a good place. It's been a very, very challenging time. And when you're dealing with discouragement and depression, it's like this heavy blanket of sadness. That just comes and plops over you. It doesn't just sit on top. It like smothers you. And you're like, I can't breathe. I, 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 don't, I don't see any edges to the blanket. I don't know how I got in here, and I don't know how to get out. Somebody help me. Some of you are there today, and you're feeling this sadness. But here's what God would say to you in Psalm 116. Here's one of those sticky notes that you can hang on to. The Lord saved me from death. He stopped my tears and kept me from defeat. And so I walk 
in the presence of the Lord in a world, in the world of the living. You know, when, when you feel like there's nothing more in life, when you feel like you're at the end and it's just nowhere to go, there's one thing you do have yet, and that is a choice. You may not, have, you may not feel you have the ability to choose. You always have a choice. Will I walk with the Lord? Because God not only is with you, not only is holding you, but his other hand is right here. And all he wants you to do is put your hand in his and say, okay, let's walk together. I will walk with you through this time of sadness. I will walk with you through this time of discouragement. I will be your comforter. Isaiah 41 says it this way. God says, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. Here we go. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So not only is God holding you in his hand, but it's a hand of victory. It's a hand of deliverance. It's a hand of blessing. It's a hand of it's all going to be okay. You're going to get through this. That's how God is holding you up right now. So the question is this. If I know all these things, how do I practice living in the presence of God? How do I practice his presence in my life? Well, it starts with a relationship with him. None of this means a whole lot if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You first of all have to come to the point in your life where you say, you know what, I... I Enough with trying to do life on my own. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want to walk hand in hand with the Father. I believe in you, Jesus. That's where it starts. And then once we do that, here's what Jesus says in John 14. He says, Then I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit who will help you and always be with you. And if you've ever read the book of Romans, I suggest chapter 8. There's so, well, all the chapters are really good, but chapter 8 says this. It says that the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God, it's God's presence in spirit form. When you are a believer, he comes and lives inside of you. If you're a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives inside of you. Then Jesus says, so do I. I dwell in you. I live in you. So it's not just a with, it's an in. It's part of my DNA. It becomes part of who you are. And you cannot get rid of who you are. You're not going to kick out the Holy Spirit. You're not going to kick out Jesus. They're there. They're with you. And you simply continue to stay connected to them who are already there. Here's what, here's what uh, Jesus says in John 15. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Remain in me, and my words will remain in you. And that is why it is so, so important for every one of us 
to every day practice the presence of God by being with him in his word and in prayer. Because that's where we hear God's voice. That's where we develop that relationship. That's where God meets with us. And we get to know him better. And we begin to have that fellowship. And, and what happens is the knowledge of the presence of God in our lives goes from here to here to here. All of a sudden, that conviction becomes a way of life. And no matter what happens, that next fire that comes your way, that next river that you feel like it just, it's a flood, it's not going to touch you. Because you know who's holding you and whose hand you're holding. And you're going, to be fa- you're going to be able to face every difficulty, every challenge, everything that comes your way by saying, you know what? God is with me. He is for me. And he is in me. We got this. We have this together. What an attitude during a time like this, right? We really need it. Because as I've been preparing this whole series, especially this sermon this week, part of me is like, well, everybody already knows all this stuff. But it's like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, they know it, but do they really know it? Some of us here this morning, we need to be reminded of just how good God is and who he is. And it's amazing when we begin to acknowledge and embrace his presence in our lives we realize that God becomes our comforter, our counselor, our companion in every, area, every other area of life. He becomes everything we need all the time.